Hi, this is Aaron Bergman. Um, just letting you guys know uh, that the intro and outro music uh, got a little screwed up. So just forgive me because it's really not worth anyone's time fixing that. Uh, and without further ado, me and Holly Elmore. Yeah, so um, right now you're an AI pause advocate. Oh, can you like, can you like remind me of like your shtick? Like before sure. that, like did you have like an EA career or something? Oh, before that, yeah. Um, before that, I was an academic. I, I um, got into EA when I was doing my PhD in evolutionary biology. Uh, and I like the first, I had been in uh, into new atheism before that. I had done a lot of organizing for that in college. And while the enlightenment stuff and like what I think is the truth about there not being a God, like was very important uh, to me, but I didn't like the lack of positive values. Like there was just like half the people there were sort of people like me who were like looking for community after leaving their religion that they grew up in. And uh, like sometimes as many as half of the people there were just like looking for a way to like for it to be okay for them to upset people and like take away stuff that was important to them. And like, I didn't love that. I didn't love like organizing a space for that, you know? Um, and when I got to uh, my first year at Harvard, Harvard Effective Altruism was advertising for its fellowship, which originally, uh, which became the Arete Fellowship eventually. And I was like, wow, this is like everything I want, you know, <laughs> like, and it has this positive organizing value around like doing good. And so I was like totally made for it. And, and like pretty much immediately I did that fellowship, uh, even though it was for undergrads, <laughs> I did that fellowship and um, I, and I was like immediately doing a lot of grad school organizing. And I did that for like six more years. And yeah, by the time I got to the end of grad school, I just like didn't really, I realized like I was very sick in my fifth year and I realized like the stuff I kept doing was EA organizing and I did not want to keep doing work. And um, and that was like pretty, that was pretty clear. Like I thought like, oh, because I love, you know, I'm really into my academic area, like I'll do that, but I'll also like have a component of doing good. Like I took giving what we can like in the middle of grad school. Um, and I thought, you know, I actually just enjoy doing this more. So like, why would I do anything else? Like, um, and yeah, and so then after grad school, I um, started applying for EA jobs and like pretty soon I got a job at Rethink Priorities and they suggested that I work on wild animal welfare. And <laughs> I have to say from the beginning, I was a little bit like, uh, I don't know, like I'd always had very mixed feelings about wild animal welfare as a cause area. Um, how much did I assume the audience knows about EA? Oh, I like, no, yeah. I a lot, I guess. Okay. I, I think as of right now, it's a pretty, a pretty hardcore dozen people. Yeah. <laughs> also, um, wait, what, what year is any of this? Like approximately? Uh, so I graduated in twenty twenty. Okay. And yeah, and then I was like, really. Like, okay, this, this isn't even. Okay, this is not that. Like, this is not extremely distant history. Sometimes people are like, oh yeah, like the OG days, like oh four or something. And I'm like, oh my god. Oh um, yeah, no, okay. I no, I wish I had been in these circles then, but no, it wasn't until like 2014 that I um, really got inducted. Um, yeah, so which now feels old because everybody's so young, but um, <laughs> but yeah, in 2020 I finished my PhD and I got this like awesome remote job at Rethink Priorities during the pandemic, which was great. Um, I was working on, on wild animal welfare, which I'd always like had some, so wild animal welfare, just for anyone who's not familiar, is like uh, looking at the state of the natural world and like seeing if there's a way that the, usually the hedonic, so like feeling pleasure, not pain, sort of welfare of animals can be maximized. So that's in contrast to 
a lot of other ways of looking at the natural world, like conservation, which are more about preserving like a state of the world, you know, the way uh, preserving maybe ecosystem balance, something like that, preserving species diversity. The priority with wild animal welfare is, you know, how it, the affect of welfare, like how it feels to be the animals. Uh, so there, it is very understudied, but I, I had a lot of reservations about it because I'm like oh, nervous about like, maximizing our values too hard onto animals or like it, you know imposing them on other oh, species huh. and okay yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's interesting just because like i feel like <laughs> we're so far away from like the margin of i mean this is how this is like I, i'm like a very pro wild animal animal welfare pilled person um i'm definitely like, pro yeah, in theory <laughs> like, yeah I'm, yeah i mean if me yeah it seems like how many other people it's like you and like what like six or formerly you and like six other people or whatever it seems, it seems like we're like a far like a yeah uh, quite far away from like the margin at which we're like over optimizing in terms of like giving off giving like you know heroin to like all the, the sheep or, or i don't know the bugs and yeah, stuff even, but like it, it's true like the field is moving like in more my direction and i think it's just because they're like hiring more biologists and like we tend to think this way or like have more of this perspective um but you know like i think i i'm a big fan of brian domestic's work but like you know stuff like finding out which species have like the most capacity for welfare like i think is already sort of the wrong scale like i think a lot will just depend on how much you know like what are the conditions for that species like i, I don't like yeah 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 no no I, i'm yeah there's, there's like seven from people. the coarseness and the abstraction but also like there's a lot of like like you know you don't want anybody to like actually do stuff like that and it would be more possible to do the more simple sounding stuff and like so yeah I mean, if my my whole my work there just was like consisted of being a huge downer and like, <laughs> oh, i respect that so like, um, um i did do some work that i'm proud of on um Rodent on, I have a whole sequence on EA forum about how we could reduce the use of rodenticide, which I, which I think was the single most promising intervention that we came up with uh, in the time that I was there. I mean, I didn't come up with it, um, but you know, that we narrowed down and, uh, and even that just doesn't affect that many animals directly. It's really more about more like the impact is from what you think you'll get with moral circle expansion or, you know, um, setting precedents for like the treatment of non-human animals or wild animals or, you know, semi-wild animals, maybe like being able to be expanded into wild animals. And so it all felt like not quite up to EA standards of impact. Um, and I felt kind of uncomfortable, like trying to make this thing happen in EA when I like, wasn't sure that yeah, it was, you know, I, I my tentative conclusion on wild animal welfare after working on it and like thinking about it a lot for three years was um, that we're sort of waiting for transformative technology that's not here yet in order to be able to do the kinds of interventions that we want. And there are going to be other issues with the transformative technology, you know, that we have to deal with first. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I've been like thinking not like that seriously or like any formal way, just like once in a while, I just like have a thought like, oh, I wonder, um, yeah, how, uh, yeah, how the field of like, I guess wild animal, or sorry, not wild animal, I'm um, just like animal welfare in general, and like, including wild animal welfare, like might, like make use of AI, like above and beyond. I feel like there's like a simple take, which is like probably mostly true, which is like, oh, like, 
I mean, the phrase that everybody loves to say is make AI go well, or like whatever that, you know, but like, that's basically true. Like, yeah, like, like probably, um, yeah, you like, you like make a line AI. I know that's like a very like oversimplification, but, um, and then, and then, uh, you can like, you know, have a bunch of like wealth or whatever to do whatever we want. I feel like that's a kind of like the standard line, but, um, I, do you have any takes on like, I don't know, uh, maybe like in the next couple of years or like anything like more specifically beyond um, just like general purpose AI alignment for lack of a better term. Uh, like, yeah, how like animal welfare like might put to use like transformative AI or like. I think, so I yeah. did uh, my last uh, work at Rethink Priorities was like looking a sort of uh, zoomed out, look at the field and like where it should go. And so we're, apparently going to do a public version, but I don't know if that's going to happen. It's been a while now, like since I was expecting to get a call about it. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of like, what can I scrape from that? <laughs> um, Wait, what, what was this as much as you can, you know, don't like, you know, reveal any classified information, but like, what was the yeah. general thing uh, that this was about? So there are things that I think, so I, I sort of broke it down into a couple of categories. There's like things that we could do in a world where like, we don't get AGI for a long time, but we get just transformative AI, like short of that, like it's just able to do like a lot of parallel tasks or, you know, it's able, um, and I think we could do a lot, we could get a lot of what we uh, want for wild animals by doing a ton of surveillance and having the ability to make incredibly precise changes to the ecosystem. Like sur having surveillance so we know like when something is like, and the, the capacity to do really intense simulation of the ecosystem and like know what's gonna happen as a result of like little things. Um, we could do that all without AGI. Like you could just do that with really like, with just like a lot of computational power and like, um, and yeah. And I think like our ability to simulate the environment right now is like not like the best, but we, it's not because it's impossible. It's just like, we just need a lot more observations and a lot more ability to simulate. like. A comparison uh, is meteorology. Like meteorology used to be much more of an art, but like it became more of a science once they started just literally taking like for every block of air, like model, like, uh, and they, they're they getting like smaller and smaller, the blocks, they just like do like Bernoulli's law on it and like oh, figure wow. out what's gonna happen in that block. And like, uh, and then you just sort of add it all together and you get like actually pretty good. Wait, do you know yeah. how big the blocks are? <laughs> I'm curious. I they get smaller all the time. Like that's okay. like, the, that's the resolution increase, but I don't know how big the blocks are um, okay. Okay. <laughs> right now. Um, and like shockingly, like that just works. Like that gives you a lot of the picture of what's gonna happen with weather. And I think that like, you know, modeling like ecosystem dynamics is like very similar to weather. There's like, there's, you could say like more players yeah. and ecosystems, but like, um, and we, I think we could with enough surveillance, like get a lot better at monitoring the ecosystem and then like actually have more of a chance of implementing the kinds of like sweeping interventions we want. But, but the price would be just like never ending surveillance and like having to be the stewards of the environment. Like um, if we weren't automating yeah. the, depending on how much you want to automate and depending on like how much you can automate without EGI or without handing it over to like another intelligence like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've heard this. Maybe like I haven't thought enough. And like for some reason, I'm just like intuitively like I'm like 
I mean, I feel like I'm more skeptical, like, like of this, like, kind of thing, like, relative to the actual, like, there's a lot of things that, like, I feel like a person might be skeptical about, like, you know, superhuman AI, and I'm, like, less skeptical of that, or, like, less skeptical <laughs> of things that, like, sound as, as, like, weird as, as this, like, maybe because it's, like, not, um, like, like, one thing I'm just concerned about is, like, or, uh, I, I feel like there's, like, a, a, like, a larger scale, I can imagine just, like, the choice of like how much like or like yeah how, how much like ecosystem is like available like yeah how much ecosystem is like available for wild animals is like a pretty like macro level choice that like might be like not at all like deterministic so like you can imagine mm -hmm. like spreading like you know um or terraforming like other planets like um and things like that or like basically continuing to like uh, remove the amount of like available ecosystem and like also at like a much more like practical level like clean meat like development like i have no idea what the technical bottlenecks on that like are right now but like seems kind of possible that like i don't know ai can help it in some capacity that oh i thought you're gonna say that it would increase the amount of space available for wild animals this is like a big controversy within i don't know this part of the animal <laughs> uh, ea animal uh movement it's that like if you advocate diet change and if you get people to be vegetarians like does that just like free up more land for wild animals to suffer on i thought this was like guys like we just will never do anything if we don't like choose sort of like a zone of influence and like accomplish something there um it seemed like this could go on forever it was like literally i mean it, it was and then I, I, I rethink actually like um a lot of discussions would end in like okay so this seems like really good for all of our like target populations but what about wild animals i could just like reverse everything and like um and man i just i don't know i think so like the 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 thoughts i came to on that were that like it is worthwhile to try to figure out like what are all of the actual direct effects but like i don't think we should let that guide our decision making only like you have to have some kind of theory of change of like what is the direct effect going to lead to and like i just think that it's like it's so um illegible what you're trying to do if you're like you should eat this kind of fish to save animals like it doesn't like lead society to adopt to like understand and adopt like your values it's like very it's it's so predicated on like a moment in time and <laughs> yeah so I, that might be convenient like maybe i'm not um looking hard enough at that problem but i i the conclusion i ended up coming to was just like look i just think we like have to have some idea of like like another uh, not just the direct direct impacts but like something about the indirect impacts and like the what's likely to facilitate other you know um direct yeah. impacts that we want in the future yeah yeah um i like also like share your i don't know or I'm, I'm not sure if we like share the same or i i also feel conflicted about this kind of thing um uh yeah and like i don't know like at the very least it seems like the word like it seems like i would i have like a very like high bar for saying like oh like actually like this or um like the worst of factory farming is like we should just like if, if, yeah we should be okay with that because like some particular model like says that yeah at this moment in time it um it like has some like net positive effect on like animal welfare um uh 
But yeah, it's yeah, like what, how, what morality yeah. is that really compatible with? I mean, I understand our morality, but like maybe, but like it, pretty much anyone else who hears that conclusion is going to think that that means that like the suffering doesn't matter or something, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, also, like, I I think, like, maybe more than you, I'm, like, willing to, like, willing to, like, bite the bullet. Like, if somebody really could convince me that, like, yeah, like, chicken farming is, like, actually just, in fact, good, even though it's counterintuitive, I'll be like, all right, fine. Surely there are other ways of occupying. Yeah, them, yeah. You know? Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I just, like, what? <laughs> um, same with, like, sometimes I would get, like, from very, like, classical wild animal suffering people, like, comments on my rodenticide work saying, like, well, what if it's good to have more rats? Um, there's something, like, I mean, I don't know. Like, there are surely other vehicles for utility, like, other than, like, ones that humans are, like, bent on destroying. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is, like, kind of neither here nor there, but, like, I, I don't actually know if this is, like, causally important, but, like, at least like psychologically i like remember like seeing a seeing like a mouse in like a glue trap was like very like like had an impact on me and like uh from like maybe turning yeah turning me like animal welfare pills or something um that's like neither here nor there it's like a random anecdote but Ooh. um yeah seems seems bad yeah. um yeah uh all right um okay so like then okay what came after after rethink for for you yeah, I got well uh, after the publication of the FLI letter and Eliezer's article in Time. I was like super inspired by Pause. Like a number of like emotional changes happened to me about AI safety. Like not nothing intellectual changed, but just I'd always been confused at and like kind of taken it as like a sign that people weren't really serious about AI risk when they would say things like. I don't know. The only option is alignment. Like the only thing, the only option is for us to do cool nerd stuff that we love doing. Like nothing else would work. And like, <laughs> and so I, you know, I, I like bought the arguments, but like, I just like, wasn't there emotionally and like seeing Eliezer like advocate political change because he wants to save everyone's lives. And he thinks that's like something that we can do. Um, just kind of, I'm sure I didn't want to face it before because it was upsetting. Not that I haven't like faced a lot of upsetting and depressing things. Like I worked in wild animal welfare for God's sake, but like I, yeah, like I, there was, there was something that like didn't quite like add up for me or I hadn't quite like grokked about AI safety until I, yeah, like seeing Eliezer like really show that like his concern is about everyone dying and, and like he's consistent with that. Like he's not caught on only one way of doing it. And, um, I, it just kind of like got in my head and I kept like, um, you know, wanting to talk about it at work and it just sort of became clear like they weren't going to pursue that sort of uh, intervention. But I kept like thinking of all these parallels between like animal advocacy stuff that I knew and like what could be done in AI safety. And um, these polls kept coming out, like showing that there was like really high support for PAWS. And I just thought like, this is such a huge opportunity. I really would love to like help out. Originally I was like looking around for like who was gonna be leading campaigns that I could like volunteer in. And then eventually I thought like, it just doesn't seem like somebody else is gonna do this in the Bay Area. So like I um, I just uh, ended up quitting uh, Rethink and uh, being an independent organizer. And that has been really, I mean, honestly, it's, it's, it's very, it's, it's like a tough subject. It's like a lot to deal with, but honestly, compared to wild animal welfare, it's like not that bad. And I think I'm like pretty used <laughs> to dealing with like tough and depressing, like 
low tractability causes, but I actually think this is really tractable. Like I've been shocked how quickly things have moved. And I, I sort of had this sense that like, okay, people are reluctant in EA and AI safety in particular, like they're not used to advocacy. They kind of think like, vaguely think that like, that's bad. Politics is the mind killer. And it's it's kind of uh, like it's a little bit of a threat to like the stuff the stuff they really love doing like maybe that's not going to be so ascendant anymore and um and it's just stuff they're not familiar with but i had the feeling that like if somebody just like keeps like making this case like there that people will take to it like that i could like push the overton window with nea and like that's gone really well um yeah and then of course the public is just like pretty down um it's great <laughs> yeah yeah no, um i feel like yeah it's kind of because like be being in dc and i've like always been i feel like i actually used to be like more into like politics and and i guess i mean to be clear like i like i understand or correct me if i'm wrong but like you know um advocacy doesn't just mean like to like in the political system or like two politicians or whatever but like yeah. i assume that's like a part of what you're thinking about like yeah or, or not um, really yeah i like early on was considering working on more like um, political process type um, advocacy. And I told, I think that's really important. I totally would have done it. I just thought that like, it was more neglected in our community to do advocacy to the public. And a lot of people had like entanglements that prevented them from doing so. Like they were yeah. sort of with AI labs or it's important to their work that they, they not um, declare against AI labs or something like that, or be perceived that way. And so like, they didn't want to do public advocacy that, you know, could make them, <laughs> that could threaten, you know, what else they're doing. Um, but I didn't have anything like that. Like I've just, I've been around for a long time in EA and I've been like keeping up on AI safety, but I've like, I've never really worked. I, that's not true. I did a fellowship, I did a PIBS fellowship, but um, I've never like, I've never worked for anybody in AI safety. I've never, you know, um, so like I was just more free than a lot of other people to do the public messaging. And so I kind of felt that I should. Um, yeah. I'm also more willing to get into conflict than other EAs. And so nice. that seemed valuable. <laughs> no, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like, I, yeah, I respect that. I respect that a lot. Um, uh, yeah yeah so like one thing i um i feel like i've seen a lot of like people like on twitter for example well not for example that's really just it um i guess talking about like polls that come out saying like oh yeah the public is like super enthusiastic about like x y or z i feel like I, these are almost meaningless and maybe you can convince me otherwise <laughs> um or like or like i mean it's not exactly not um and, and to be clear like i'm not saying that like i, I guess it, it could always be worse right like uh like yeah all things considered like a, a poll showing like x thing is like being supported is like better than the opposite result but like you can really get people to say anything um and so so maybe i'm just like w wondering about like the degree to which like the public like how do you imagine the the public and I'm, I'm doing air quotes to the <laughs> like um like playing into uh the like policies either of i guess like industry actors or government actors well um this is something actually that i also felt that a lot of eas were unfamiliar with but um it does matter to our representatives like what the constituents think it matters a lot um so 
mean, if you talk to somebody who's ever like interned in a Congress person's office, like one person like calling and writing letters just for something can have actually like a, for depending on like how contested a policy is like can have a um a largish impact like um it, it, so like my ex-husband was an intern for Jim Cooper uh and like it was they had this whole system for scoring you know like when calls came in versus letters was it a handwritten letter a typed letter like all of those things like went into oh, like huh. how many points it got and like they that was like something they really cared about. Um, and they and so politicians do pay attention to opinion polls and they pay attention to like what their vocal constituents want. And they pay attention to like not going against what is the norm opinion. Um, mm -hmm. Even if like nobody in particular is pushing them on it or seems to like feel strongly about it. Like they really are trying to calibrate themselves to like what is the norm. So like those are always also sometimes politicians just get directly convinced by arguments of like what a policy should be. Um, so yeah, public opinion is, I think, underappreciated by yeas because it doesn't feel like mechanistic, you know, like they're looking more for what's this like weird policy hack that's gonna like solve, uh, yeah. or like what's this like super clever policy that's gonna, gonna solve things rather than just like, what's like acceptable discourse like how far out of his comfort zone does this politician have to go to advocate for this thing like how uh, you know unpopular is it going to be to say stuff that's against this thing that there's you know now has a lot of public support yeah i mean i, I guess mainly i'm like i i guess i'm all like um also it's like i would actually like i definitely could be wrong with this but like i would expect that like a lot of that yeah like for um like when politicians like get or uh congress people like get yeah like letters and emails or whatever like on a particular like especially when it's like relevant to like a particular bill and it's like okay like like this bill has like already been like filtered for like the fact that like it's going to like get some yes votes and like some no votes and it's like close to like or, or something like that and so it's like um and like yeah hearing like a like a in, about like from in, like an interested constituency is like really like i don't know like it, like i guess like interesting evidence um on the other hand like i don't know like a lot of uh you can kind of just like get americans to like say like a lot of different things that like i don't i think are basically like um like not yeah extremely unlikely to be like enacted into laws you know what i mean like um like i don't know like, like what's a good i mean like you can just like look at opinion or, or like um sorry i'm like uh like no no great example comes to mind right now but like i don't know like like should we if you ask the public like should we do more safety research into like uh <laughs> i don't know anything if it like sounds good then people will say yes or am i mistaken about this i mean on these polls usually like they ask you know like the other way around as well yeah. like do you think ai like is really promising for its benefits and should be accelerated like and like people don't they answer consistently it's not just like well now that sounds positive you know <laughs> like um okay uh i mean a well done poll will correct for these things yeah I, i've encountered a lot of skepticism about the polls uh most of the polls on this have been done by yougov which is like pretty reputable and then like the ones that were replicated by rethink priorities like they found very consistent results and like I very much trust rethink priorities on polls. <laughs> like um, but uh yeah, so 
like I, I've had people say like, well, like these framings are, I don't know, like they they object and like wonder if it's like getting at the person's true belief. Uh, and I kind of think like, I don't know, like we're getting, basically this is like the kind of advocacy message that I would give and people are really receptive to it. Like, so to me, that's like, that's really promising. Like whether or not, like if you like educated them a lot more about the topic, they would think the same is like, I don't think like the question, but um, that's, that's yeah, sometimes yeah. an objection that I get. Um, yeah, I think they're indicative. And then I also think politicians just care directly about these things. Like uh, they're if they're able to cite that most of the public agrees with this policy, like that sort of gives them a lot of what they want, like regardless of like whether yeah. there's some qualification to does the public really think this or like are they thinking hard enough about it? Um, and then like polls are always newsworthy. Like weirdly, just any poll, you know, can be a news story and like journalists love them. And so like, it's a great chance to like get exposure for your whatever thing. Um, and politicians do care what's in the news. And like, uh, actually I think we just have more influence over the political process than like EAs and like less wrongers tend to believe. <laughs> like, um, if you, it's true. I think a lot of people got burned in AI safety, like in the previous 20 years, um, because it was just, you know, would be dismissed. It just wasn't in the Overton window. Um, but it, like, I think we have a lot of power now, like, uh, you know, weirdly, like people care what effective altruists think. I don't you know, like people, yeah. um, see us as having like real expertise, like the AI safety community, like does know the most about this. Uh, it's, it's pretty wild. Like, I mean, uh, and now that's being recognized like publicly and like uh, journalists and the people who influence politicians, like, you know, not directly the people, but, you know, like the fourth estate type people are pay attention to this and they influence policy. Um, and there's sort of a, there's many like levels of, I wrote, um, if people want a more detailed, uh, explanation of this, but still high level and accessible, I hope. Um, I wrote uh, a thing on EA Forum called the case for AI safety advocacy. And that kind of goes over this concept of outside versus inside game. So outside inside game is like working within a system to change it. Outside game is like working outside the system to put pressure on that system to change it. Um, and I think there's like many small versions of this. Like I think that it's helpful within EA and AI safety to be like pushing the Overton window of like what, like, I think that people have a wrong understanding of like how hard it is to communicate this topic and like how hard it is to influence government. So I want it to be more acceptable in, I want it to like feel more possible in EA and AI safety to go this route. Um, and then there's like the, you know, public, the public public level of trying to make them more familiar with the issue. Um, frame it in the way that I want, which is like, so current, like, you know, with Sam Altman's tour, um, the issue kind of got framed as like, well, AI is going to get built, but how are we going to do it safely? And then I would like to like, take that a step back and be like, is it, should AI be built? You know, <laughs> like, or should AGI be built? Um, we could just, if we tried, we could just not do that. Or we could like, at least like reduce the speed. Um, and so, yeah, I want people to be exposed to that frame. Uh, I want people to to not be taken in by other frames that like don't include the full gamut of options. Uh, I think that's very possible. Uh, and then there's like, you know, a lot of this is more of like the classic thing that's been going on in AI safety for like the last 10 years is like trying to influence uh, AI uh, development to be more safety conscious. 
and that's like another kind of dynamic there like trying to change sort of the general <laughs> the general flavor like what's acceptable you know do we have to care about safety like what is safety like that's i mean that's also a kind of a window pushing exercise yeah cool i'm i'm um I, I probably should. Luckily, okay, I'm like, this is like not actually directly responding to anything you just said, which is annoying. But luck, so I, I pulled up your, uh, this post. So I should have read that. Luckily, I, I did read like the case for slowing down. Um, it was like some other like popular post, like uh, in as part of like the EGI, uh, like governance fundamentals um, series. I think this is by somebody else. Like, um, like uh, wait, what was it called? Um, uh, Wait, um, by Zach or Katya? I don't, I, Katya, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's think about slowing down AI. That one. So, um, that is fresh in my mind, but yours, yours is not yet. Um, uh, so what's the, what's the plan? Do you have a plan? You don't have to have a plan. I, I, I don't have plans very much. Um, well, right now, uh, I'm, hopeful about the UK AI summit. I like, so wait, I have um, pause AI and I have planned a multi-city protest to on the 21st of October uh, to encourage the UK AI safety summit to focus on safety first uh, and to, you know, have as a topic arranging a pause or, you know, that kind of negotiation. There's a lot of like, like a little bit upsetting, like advertising for that thing. That's like, we need to keep up capabilities too. And I just think like, that's really a secondary objective, but like, and I, that's how I, I wanted to be focused on safety. So I'm, I'm hopeful about the like level of global coordination that we're already seeing. I mean, it's going so much faster than we thought, like already the, the UN secretary general has been talking about this and there've been meetings about this. Like it's happened so much faster, you know, than in like yeah. at the beginning of this year, like nobody thought we could talk about, you know, nobody was thinking we'd be talking about this as a mainstream topic. And then like, actually governments have been very like, receptive so anyway so right now i'm focused on like the the like actually other than just like influencing opinion um the like <laughs> uh targets i'm focused on are things like encouraging these uh international efforts uh i might so like i have a, a protest on friday um which is my first protest that i'm leading and i'm like, kind of nervous that's against meta it's at the meta building in san francisco about um their sharing of model weights they call it open source it's like not exactly open source but um they that i could i'm probably not going to repeat that message because it's pretty complicated to explain i really love the pause message because i it's just so hard to misinterpret and it like conveys pretty clearly what we want very quickly and you don't have a lot of bandwidth and advocacy like you know like i you know you write a lot of materials for a protest but like mostly what people see is the title and like um, so, no, um that's interesting because like what I, I sort of have the opposite sense i i like agree that like in terms of like how many like informational bits you're like conveying in a particular phrase like pause ai is simpler but like um in some sense like it's not nearly as obvious like why that at least maybe to like maybe i'm like more of like a tech brain person or whatever but like why that is good as opposed to like don't give extremely powerful thing to the worst people in the world like that's well, like that's okay that's like, that's like a longer everyone <laughs> yeah <laughs> well hmm. maybe, yeah maybe i'm just weird i've gotten the feedback you know from um 
open source ML people is the number one thing is like, it's too late. You know, there's already super powerful models. There's nothing you can do to stop us, which sounds so villainous. I don't know if that's like <laughs> what, they, what they mean, but, um, and uh, well, actually the number one message is you're stupid. You're not an ML engineer. Like, which like, okay. But um, number two is like, it's too late. There's nothing you can do. There's all of these other, and Meta's not even, you know, the most powerful generator of like models that it share of, you know, open source models. I was like, okay, fine. Um, and I don't know. I don't think that like protesting too much haha, um, is really like the best in these situations. I just mostly kind of like let that lie. I, I could give my theory of change on this, like, and why I'm focusing on Meta. Meta's a large company I'm hoping to have that uh, influence on. There is a Meta building in San Francisco near where I live, you know? <laughs> like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Meta is the biggest company that is doing this. And I think there should be a norm against model weight sharing. Um, I was hoping it would be something that like other uh, employees of other labs would be comfortable attending. And like that um, is a policy that is not shared across the labs, obviously. Like, you know, the biggest labs uh, don't do it. Um, so OpenAI is called OpenAI, but like very quickly decided not to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, I, I kind of want to kind of wanted to like start in a way that like made it more clear than Pause AI does that like, you know, this is um anybody's welcome uh something I, I thought a one-off issue like this that a lot of people could like agree and like form a coalition around like would be good. Like a lot of people think that this is like Oh yeah, so a lot of the open source ML people think that you know, this is like a secret. What I'm saying is like secretly an argument for tyranny. I just want centralization of power. I just think that there are like elites that are better qualified to run everything. Um, it was even suggested, I didn't mention China. It even suggested that I was racist because I didn't think that foreign people could make better AIs than Meta. I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm grimacing here. I, I like Matt, yeah, big respect to that, uh, the, uh, intellectual disagreeableness if if that's an appropriate term or something like that um uh yeah um yeah uh good on, good on you for for like standing up to uh, yeah some pretty bad arguments um i mean yeah i just it's not like that worth it it's actually i i'm lucky that i truly am curious about what people think about stuff like that like i just find it really interesting like i spent way too much time like understanding the alt-right for instance like i'm kind of like sure i'm on lists somewhere because of like the forums i was on just because i was interested and like <laughs> it is something that serves me well um with um you know my adversaries i just i've enjoyed some conversations with people where i kind of like because my position on all this is that look like we just i need to be convinced and like the public needs to be convinced that this is safe before we go ahead so i kind of like not having to like be the smart person making the arguments i kind of like being like can you explain like i'm five like i still don't get it like you know yeah. just like how does this work and um yeah yeah <laughs> no i was thinking actually like not long ago um about yeah open source like the phrase has such a positive connotation um yeah. and like in a lot of contexts like it really is it really is good um like i don't know like i'm glad that like random tech like i don't know things from like 2004 or whatever like the reddit source code is like all right seems cool that it's open source um i don't actually know if that was but like have that right but um uh but like yeah i, I feel like maybe even just like breaching um like breaking down like why like why the like like what the positive connotation like comes from 
and like um and like why it's in people's self this is really what i was thinking about is like why is it in people's self-interest to like open source things that they made um and like that might, might like like break apart like the allure or like sort of like ethical like halo that it has around it and i was thinking like um it's like it probably has something to do with like oh this is like how um like if you're like a tech person who like makes some cool product like you could try to put a gate around it by like keeping it closed source and like maybe trying to get intellectual property or something but like probably you're like extremely talented like already are like pretty wealthy like are definitely can be like hired in the future and like if you're like not wealthy yet like i don't mean to put things in like just materialist terms but like um basically like it, it could easily be just like in a yeah i think i'll probably take that bit out because i didn't mean to put it in like strictly like monetary terms but like basically it just like seems like pretty plausibly in like an arbitrary tech person's like like self-interest like broadly construed to like in fact open source their thing which is like totally like fine and normal i think it's that's like, like 99 economy <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah i mean kind and like, all just, like, it's like a way stuff. of you know showing magnanimity showing yeah gender, but like, like i don't like, make, make this sound so like i think 99.9 .9 of human behavior is like this like i'm not saying it's like oh some like secret like <laughs> terrible self-interested thing but just like breaking like making it more mechanistic okay it's like a, it's like a status thing it's like an advertising thing it's like okay like you're not really in need of like direct economic rewards or like sort of makes sense to like play the long game in some sense and like this is like totally normal and fine but like at the end of the day it's not like a um there's like reasons why <laughs> uh like why pe why it like makes sense in why it's in people's self-interest to open source um and yeah, so like literally yeah. like the culture of open source has like been able to bully like you know people into like oh it's immoral to like keep it for yourself you have to release those so it's just like set the norms in a lot of ways i'm not so bully sounds bad but i mean it's just like there is a lot of pressure like it it's, looks bad if it's you know something is closed source yeah it's it's, it's a kind of weird that meta I don't know, like, does Meta, like, really think it's, like, in there? I don't know, like, I mean, most, most like, like, I guess, economic, like, uh, take on this would be, like, oh, they, like, somehow think it's, like, in their share, like, like shareholders' interest to, like, open source their I models. I mean, there's a lot of speculations on why they're doing this. Like, one is that, like, yeah, their models aren't as good as the top labs, but if it's open source, then, open source, quote-unquote, um, then the, you know, like, people will integrate it llama 2 into their apps or people will use it and like become i don't know like uh it's, it's a little weird because i don't know like why using llama 2 like commits you to using llama 3 or something but like i mean it just like ways for like their models to get in yeah. in places where like if you just had to pay for their models too people would go for you know better ones um <laughs> I, it's uh that's one thing another is like yeah, I guess these are too speculative. I don't want to be seen repeating them since I'm about to do this protest. But um, but like there's speculation that it's in this interest in various ways uh, to do this. I think it's possible also that just like so. So what happened with the release of Llama one is like they were going to allow like approved people to download the weights. But then like within four days, somebody had leaked Llama one on 4chan. And <laughs> then they just were like, well, whatever, we'll just release the weights. And, and then they released Llama 2 as, you know, with the weights from the beginning. Um, and it's not like 100% clear that they intended to do full open source, like, or what they call open source. And I keep saying it's not open source because 
this is like a little bit of a tricky point to make. Um, so I'm like not emphasizing it too much, but like, so they say that they're open source, but they're not like the code, you know, the algorithms are not open source. <laughs> like there are uh, open source ML models that have everything open sourced. And I don't think that that's good. I think that's worse. So like, I don't want to criticize them for that, but like they're saying it's open source because there's like all this goodwill associated with open source, but like it's actually, actually what they're doing is releasing the product <laughs> for free and like, and um, or like trade secrets, even you could say like things that should be trade secrets. And like, um, and yeah, it's not like they're telling people how to make it themselves. So it's like a little bit of a, they're like, uh, yeah, they're intentionally yeah, yeah. using this label that has a lot of positive connotations, but like probably according to open source initiative, which like makes the open source license, like it should be called something else or there should just be like a new category for LLMs being, yeah. um, but like, that's, I mean, it's, I don't want things to like be more open. Like it's not, it could easily sound like a rebuke <laughs> that it should be more open to make that point. But like, I also don't want to call it open source because like, that's like, I think like open source software should probably probably does deserve like a lot of it's like positive connotation, but like they're not releasing the part that the software part, cause that would be, that would cut into their <laughs> business. I think it would be much yeah. worse. I think they shouldn't do it. But like, I also am not clear on this because the open source ML critics say that everyone does have access to the same data set as Llama 2, but I don't know, Llama 2 had uh, like what, like 7 billion tokens? And that's more than like GPT-4. And like, I don't understand all of the details here. It's possible that like the tokenization process was different or something and that's why there were more. Or, But it's, they also, Meta didn't say what was in the Llama 2 data set. And usually there's some description given of what's in the, the data set. And so that led some people to speculate that like maybe they're using private data. Like they do have access to a lot of private data that shouldn't be, it's not just like the common crawl. Yeah. Like backup of the internet that'll, that everybody's basing, you know, their training on that. And then like maybe some like works of literature they're not supposed to, there's like a data set there that like is in question. Um, but like, Meta's is bigger, you know, it's, it's bigger than like, it's bigger than I think like, uh, well, sorry, I shouldn't, I, I don't have a list in front of me. I'm not going to get stuff wrong. Um, but um, yeah. it, it is it bigger than kind of similar models. Um, and I thought like, you know, that they have access to like extra stuff that's not public, like, and it seems like that's a lot, a lot of people are asking, you know, if maybe that's part of the, the training set, but, um, yeah, the ML people would have, or the open source ML people that I've been talking to would have to believe that anybody who's decent can just access all of the training sets that they've all used. So, <laughs> fun like aside, I tried to download. So, like, I, in case I'm guessing, <laughs> I don't know. It depends how many people listen to this, but like, um, in one sense, for like for like a competent ML engineer, I'm sure like open source really does mean that. But then there's people like me. So like I've, um. I don't know. Like I knew a little bit of R, <laughs> so like I'm, I'm like barely, like barely. I I think I feel like I caught on like the very last vote where like I could like know just barely enough programming to like to like not um or to like try to learn more. I guess coming mm -hmm. like coming out of college and so um so like that uh, like recent I don't know a couple months ago I like tried to like do the thing where you like download llama too but like I tried it all and now I just have like a like it didn't work I have like a bunch of empty folders and like I forget like got some like error message or whatever and then I like tried to like train my own 
they tried to train my own model on my MacBook. <laughs> they just printed the da. That's like the only thing that a language model would do because I was like the most common token in the training set. So anyway, I, I feel like a lot of, I'm just like, um, sorry, this is like not important whatsoever. But, yeah, um, I feel like torn about this because, you know, I, I used to be a genomicist and like I used to do computational biology and it was not machine learning, but like, you know, we, I used like a highly parallel, you know, GPU cluster and like, so like oh, I know cool. some stuff about it. Um, and like part of me like wants to mess around with it, <laughs> um, but part of me feels like, oh, like I shouldn't get like seduced by this. Like I am kind of worried that this has happened in in the AI safety community, like it's always been people who are interested in, from the beginning, it was people who were interested in singularity and then like realized there was this problem. And so like, it's always been like people really interested in tech and like wanting to be close to it. And I think we've been really influenced by, um, like our direction has been really influenced by wanting to be like where the action is with AI development. And like, I don't know that that was right. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I mean, on one hand, I. On like a like a personal not personal but like uh yeah i guess like individual like level um i'm like not super worried about people like you and me like getting like losing this like losing the plot by like learning more about ml like on I their think personal so. computers I think you're you know right. what i mean but it does just feel sort of like i guess and yeah this is maybe more of like a confession than like a point but i it does feel a little bit like it's it's hard for me to like enjoy in good conscience like the cool stuff <laughs> but okay yeah 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 like, like ever like to each to each uh is it or i'm like i um, feel or i just see people be so like attached to this as their identity like they really don't want to go in a direction of like not pursuing tech you know because like this is kind of their whole thing and like what would they do if we weren't like working toward ai like this is a big fear that people express to me with um they don't say it in so many words usually but like they say things like well i don't want ai to never get built you know um about a pause which by the way just to clear up like my assumption is that like a pause would be unless society ends for some other reason like that a pause would eventually be lifted like it couldn't you know be forever but some people are worried that like if you stop the momentum now, like people will, you know, people are just so like Luddite in their insides that like we would just never pick it up again or something like that. Um, and yeah, like there's some, some identity stuff that's been expressed again, like not in so many words to me about like, who will we be if we're just sort of like activists, you know, instead of like working on Maybe one thing that like we might actually disagree on, like it's like kind of important, is like whether. So I think we both agree that like AI pause is better than the status quo. Like at least you know broadly, whatever. I know that can mean different things, but like mm -hmm. um, yeah, maybe I'm like not super convinced actually that like uh, that like if I, if I could just like, hmm, what am I trying to say? Maybe I can um, it, at least like right now, like if I could just imagine the world where like um, OpenAI and I'm and Anthropic like had a couple more years to like do stuff and like nobody else did, that would be like bad. That would be like even like that would be better. Like I kind of think that they are like reasonably responsible actors. And so like, I don't know. Um, and, and, and so I guess, but like, I don't think that actually like that's not an actual possibility, but like m maybe like we have a different idea about like, 
the degree to which like a problem is just like a million different, not even a million, but say like a thousand different actors, like having increasingly powerful models versus like the actual, um, uh, like, like the actual like state of the art, like right now being like plausibly like near a dangerous threshold or something. Does this make any sense to I you? I think both those things are. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this is one thing I really like about the pause position is that like, unlike a lot of proposals that try to like allow for alignment, it's like not, it's not really close to a bad choice. It's just more safe. I mean, it might be foregoing some value. Um, yeah. Uh, if there is a way to get an aligned AI faster. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like the pause position because it's kind of robust to this. I just, I, I can't claim to know more about alignment, you know, than like, you know, OpenAI or, or Anthropic's yeah. staff. Like, I think they know much more about it, but I just, I have like fundamental doubts about like the concept of alignment that make me think like, like, I'm just, I'm concerned about even if things go right, like what, perverse consequences, you know, go nominally right. Like what perverse consequences could follow from that? Like, like I have, I don't know, like a theory of psychology that's like not super compatible with alignment. Like I think like, yeah, like humans in like living in society together are like aligned with each other, but like the society is a big part of that. <laughs> like, it's not like, I mean, yeah. the, the people you're closest to are also, so, so my, my background uh, in evolutionary biology has a lot to do with uh, genetic conflict. Um, what, is is, that? what is that? Genetic conflict is so interesting. Okay, cool. <laughs> this is like the most fascinating topic in biology, but it's like essentially that, um, you know, so in a sexual species, like you're related to your close family, you're related to your kin, but you're not the same as them. You know, like you have like different interests and like part, you know, um, mothers and fathers of the same children like have largely overlapping interests but they have slightly different interests in like what happens with those children like the the payoff to mom is different than the payoff to dad like per child or um so like one of the classic like genetic conflict arenas and one that my advisor worked on was um my advisor was david haig um was pregnancy so like there's mom and dad both want an offspring that's healthy but uh you know, mom is thinking about all of her offspring into the future when she thinks about how much how, thinks, you know, <laughs> when um, yeah. when mom is giving resources to one baby, like that is in some sense like depleting her, you know, her ability to have future children. Uh, but for dad, there's, unless the species is perfect. Might be another dad, might, might be another father in the future. Yeah, it, it, so it's so yeah. it's in his interest to take a little more, and it's really interesting. Like the tissues that, so like the placenta is an uh, androgenetic tissue. It give it's um, more. <laughs> this is all kind of complicated. I'm trying to like gloss over some details, but it's like um, guided more by genes that are active in the f when they come from the father, which there's this okay. thing called genomic imprinting. Um, that Never for genes. <laughs> um, so. Like, and then there's this back and forth. There's like this, uh, you know, evolution between like our, you know, so dad, it's going to serve alleles that came from dad, uh, imprinted from dad to ask for more nutrients, even if that's like not good for the mother and not what the mother wants. So the mother's yeah. going to like respond, you know, <laughs> and so like, um, and that, and you can see sometimes like alleles are pretty mismatched and you get like, 
you know, mom's alleles want like a pretty big baby and a small placenta. So like sometimes you'll see that. Um, and then dad's alleles want uh, a big placenta and like a smaller baby. <laughs> and like, um, it's, these are I, these are so cool, but they're so hellishly complicated to talk about because it involves like a bunch of like genetic concepts that like nobody talks about for any other reason. Okay. But um, no, I, I mean, for like for what it's worth, I'm happy to talk about like I, like that. Maybe part part of that like dips below or like into like the weeds threshold at which like I've kind of lost it. But like I'm super interested in this stuff. Um, yeah. So this so, is. Yeah. But anyway, so like the the basic idea is just that like even the people that you're closest with and cooperate with the most, like they tend to be. This clearly this is predicated on like our genetic system, you know, there's like other and like it's not ML, you know, even though ML sort of evolves like similarly to natural selection through gradient descent, like it doesn't have the same like there's no recombination. There's not like there's not genes, you know, it's so there's yeah. like a lot of disanalogies there. But like um, the idea that like the psych being aligned to like our psychology would just be like one thing like there's just like our society our psychology is like pretty conditional i i would agree that it could be one thing if we had a vnm you know utility function and you could like give it to agi yeah. like i would think like yes like that captures it but even then like that utility function like it, like it it, it it covers yeah. like when you're in conflict with someone, you know, and like, yeah, yeah. It, it covers like different scenarios. And so like, just, I just am like, not like when people say alignment, I think like what they're imagining is like an omniscient God who like knows what would be best. And like, I, that is different than like what I think could be meant by just yeah. aligning values, you know? No, no. I, I like broadly, like very, very much agree. Although like, I do think, um, at least this is my perception. Like I don't, have like i guess um is that like uh like based on like the right at like that like 1995 to like 2010 miri corpus or whatever like yeah like alignment was like um or like like uh, yeah alignment meant like uh something that was like kind of not actually possible in the way that you're saying but like now that we have like it it seems like actually like we i mean humans have been like able to like get ml models to like understand like uh like basically human language pretty like shockingly well and so like actually just like um like the the concern about like uh maybe i'm sort of like like uh losing my train of thought a little bit but like um I guess I guess maybe like alignment and misalignment aren't like as binary as they like were initially foreseen to be or something like like you, you um like you can still get like the like uh like a like an L like a language model for example that like tries to um like ta uh well I guess there's different types of misalignment but like yeah be deceptive or like tamper with its uh like reward function or whatever or you can get one that's sort of sort of like earnestly trying to do the thing that its user wants and that's like not an incoherent co like concept anymore no it's not yeah. um yeah i so yes there is like uh i guess the point of bringing up like the vnm utility function was that like there was like sort of in the past a way that you could like mathematic or i don't know this is like it's of course utility functions are still real but like that's not what we're thinking anymore we're thinking um more like you know training and like getting the gist of <laughs> what and then like getting giving getting corrections like when when um you're not doing the right thing according to like our values um but 
yeah, sorry. So the last piece I should have said uh, originally was that I think like with humans, like we're already like substantially unaligned and like, but a lot of how we work together is that we have roughly similar capabilities. And if the, the idea of making AGI is to like have, you know, much greater capabilities than we have, like that's the whole point. Um, I just think like when you scale up like that, like the divisions in your yeah. psyche or like the like are just like gonna be magnified as well and like this is this is like an informal view that i've been developing for a long time but just that like it's actually the low capabilities that like allows alignment or like similar capabilities that like makes mm -hmm. alignment possible yeah. uh and then like there are like of course like mathematical structures that like could be aligned at different capabilities. So like, I guess I have more hope if you could like find a, a the utility function that like would describe this. But like, if it's just a matter of like acting like in distribution, like, I mean, when you like increase your capabilities, you're gonna go out of distribution or you're gonna go in different contexts. And then like the, the magnitude of different, you know, the, the magnitude of mismatch is gonna be huge and so, yeah, I, I wish I had a more formal way of describing this, but that's like my fundamental like skepticism right now that like makes me just not want anyone to build it. Like I think that you could have very like sophisticated ideas about alignment, but then like still just with not like when you increase capabilities enough, like any little chink is gonna be magnified and like it could be <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um that, yeah, seems like largely right, I guess. Um, you clearly, I like, know, you have a better under like mechanistic understanding of ML. So um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I, I spent a, so my, my PIBS project was to like compare uh, natural selection and gradient descent and then compare gradient oh. hacking to meiotic drive, which is the like most oh, analogous biological. This is a very cool thing, too. So, um, yeah, so meiotic drive. So do so meiosis. I'll start with that for everyone. Um, so meiosis. That's is one the of cross. the. That's one of the cell things. Yes, <laughs> right. So mitosis is the one where cells just divide, like in your body, to like make more skin. Um, but meiosis is the special one where you go through uh, two divisions to make gametes. So you go from like we normally have, you know, two sets of chromosomes in each cell, but the the gametes they recombine. Um, between the chromosomes, you get different combinations, new chromosomes, um, and then they divide again to bring them down to one copy each, and then like that, those are your gametes, uh, and the gametes, you know, uh, eggs come together with sperm to make the zygote, uh, and the cycle goes on. But during meiosis, what the point of it is uh, to... I mean, I'm going to just assert some things that are like not universally accepted, but I think this is by far the best explanation. Oh. <laughs> um, but, uh, the point of it is to take this, like you have this huge collection of genes that might have like individually different interests and you recombine them so that they don't know who they're going to be, which genes they're going to be with in the next generation. They know, they know which allele, which uh, genes like they're going to be with, but which allele of those genes. Um, so I'm going to maybe simplify some terminology, but so, um, because otherwise, what's to stop a bunch of genes from getting together and saying like, hey, if we just hack the meiosis system or like the division system to get into the gametes, like we can get into the gametes 
know, at a higher rate than 50%. Um, and it doesn't matter. We don't have to contribute to making this body. <laughs> um, we can just work on that. Um, what is to stop that? Yeah, well, meiosis is to stop that. Um, it's oh, it's okay. basically, uh, so meiosis is like a government system for the genes. It makes it so that they can't plan to be with like a little cabal in the next generation because they're, they have some chance of getting separated. And so their best mm. chance is to just I... focus on making a good organism. <laughs> um, but you do see lots of examples in nature of where that cooperation is breaking down. Um, so like, you know, some group of genes has found an exploit and huh. it is fucking up the, the species. <laughs> like it makes like species do go extinct because of this. Like it's hard to witness this happening, but there are like several species, like there's this species of cedar that has a form of this, which is I think uh -huh. maternal genome, evol uh, it's maternal genome elimination. So like when the zygote comes together, the the maternal chromosomes are just thrown away um and it's like terrible because like that affects the way that the thing like works and grows that it, it it's put them in a death spiral and like they're probably going to be extinct and like they're trees so they live a long time but like they're probably going to be extinct in like the next century and, oh. um, and uh yeah so there's like there's lots of ways to like hack meiosis to get temporary benefit for genes this by the way i just think is like nail in the coffin obviously gene centered view is the best you know evolutionarily but um wait so, so you said what what is the what is the best the gene centered you know view of evolution oh is, <laughs> oh yeah yeah like as opposed to well, well as opposed with like like the, like the sort of standard i guess like high school college thing would just be like organisms yeah it would be individuals right? yeah yeah not that there's not an accurate way to to talk in terms of in individuals yeah. or even in terms of groups but like it just yeah, I mean, to me, like conceptually, like it seems well, like, like they're all being, they're all legit in some sense. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What about, are, are, does anybody you take could like talk about any view? of them? As the did anybody take like an atoms? But... Did anybody take like a quark level? Or not, probably not that. <laughs> did anybody take a, like a, like a whatever whatever comes below the level <laughs> of a gene, like an individual? Well, there is argument about you know like what is a gene because there's like multiple concepts of genes. Like you could look at like what's the part that makes a protein, or you can look at like what is like the unit that tends to like stay together in recombination or something like, like over time or like. <laughs> yeah. Um, wait, I, I, I'm sorry. I feel like I cut you off. It's something interesting. I'm uh, wait, um, there was meiosis. Oh, yeah. So yeah. So oh yeah. So meiotic drive is like the oh, process right. of hacking meiosis and to be so that like. A handful of genes can be more represented in the next generation. The, so otherwise, the, the only way to get more represented in the next generation is to just be make a better organism, like to be naturally selected. Um, but you can just like cheat and be like, well, if I'm the only, <laughs> if I'm in ninety percent of the sperm, like I will be next uh, in the next generation. Um, and it like makes it's essentially like meiosis has to work for natural selection to work in large organisms with a large genome. Wow. Um, and, and then, yeah, in gradient descent, like, you know, we thought the analogy was going to be, um, you know, with gradient hacking, that there would possibly be some analogy, but I think that the recombination thing is like, is really the key in, uh, meiotic drive. And then it's not, there's really nothing like that in, there's no, gradient like, descent. there's no, there's no selection per se, right? Or. I don't know, maybe, maybe that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, well, I mean, in gradient descent, there's, like, no, there, there's no gene analog, right? There's no gene analog, yeah. But yeah. there is, like, I mean, it's a hill climbing algorithm like uh, natural selection. So, like, 
you get uh, it's it, this is especially uh, I think easy to see if you're familiar with adaptive landscapes, which is uh, like which looks very similar to I mean if you look at like uh, a schematic uh, or like a model of I'm gonna try to say an illustration of gradient descent, it looks very similar to adaptive landscapes. Like it's they're both like in dimensional spaces, and you're like looking at <laughs> vectors at any yeah. given point, and like um, so like the adaptive landscape concept that's like usually taught for evolution is like on one axis you have fitness and on the other axis you have um uh well you can have a lot of things but you have like um you have well, like, like all alleles, alleles. and you have fitness okay. on the other of a population and then you have fitness on the other axis and what it tells you is like the shape of the curve there like tells you um you know where which direction evolution is going to push or natural selection is going to push each generation and so with gradient with gradient descent there's like finding the gradient you know to get to the lowest value of the cost function yeah um or the, yeah to get to a local minimum uh yeah. at every step and you follow that and so that's that part is very similar to natural selection but like the way that Yeah, the way that you like the way to that me the meo the the meiosis um hacking is just has a different mechanism than gradient hacking would like gradient hacking like probably has to be more about um I kind of thought that there was a way for this to work if like fine tuning creates like a different compartment that doesn't it's not there's not full back propagation. So there's like kind of two different compartments in the layers or something, but like, I don't know if that's right. My collaborator doesn't seem to think that that's like very interesting. Honestly, so, I, I don't I, know I if like- I don't even know what backprop, I, that's like a term I've heard like a billion times. So backprop like, yeah. <laughs> is updating all the weights and all the layers based on um, that iteration. All right. I mean, like I can hear those words. I'll have to look it up later. <laughs> you don't have to explain so, like, Yeah. I think with full, I think there're pro probably like things I'm not understanding about the ML process or like um very well but like it I I had thought that it was something like yeah like in Yeah, sorry, it's probably too tenuous. <laughs> but oh, anyway. No, no, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I uh I've been like working on this a little bit for the last year, but like I'm not, I'd have to, I'm not super sharp on my arguments oh. about that. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, I, um, well, I wouldn't notice. You, you can kind of say whatever and I'll, I'll nod along. Um, I mean, this is I like gotta a, guard my reputation, you know? Yeah. Can't, <laughs> can't be so off the cuff anymore. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll edit it so, you, so you're correct no matter what. Um, have you ever uh, yeah. like edited the oohs and ums out of a podcast and just been like, wow, I sound so smart. Like even after you heard yourself, you heard yourself the first time you, you do the editing yourself, but then you listen to it and you're like, who is this person? Like so smart. Oh, I haven't, but actually I was, um, the 80,000 hours, uh, after hours podcast, I interviewed the first episode of theirs. I interviewed Rob and his producer, Kieran Harris, and that they did like, they have like actual professional sound editing. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, I went from like totally incoherent, not totally incoherent, but like sarcastically totally incoherent to like <laughs> sounding like a normal person because of that.
I used to use it to take my laughter out of, I did a podcast for the, um, when I was uh, an organizer at Harvard, like I did the the Harvard uh, Effective Altruism podcast. And um, I laughed a lot more than I did now, which is, <laughs> than I do now, which is kind of sad. But like, I, and we even got comments about it. Like we got very few comments, but they were like, girl host laughs too much. And um, Aww, but when I take my bad. laughter out, with, like I would do it myself. Um, I was like, wow, this does sound suddenly like so much more serious. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, huh? I mean, like, yeah, uh, I definitely say like and um too much. So maybe I uh, will, yeah, try, try to actually realistically. That it's sounds so, like so much effort. effort. It's not really yeah. worth it. And like nobody else really notices, but I go through periods where I say like a lot. And when I hear myself back in interviews like that really bugs me. <laughs> Yeah. What, like, like, God, it sounds so stupid. <laughs> um, no, I, well, I'm definitely worse. Uh, so I should probably, yeah, I'm sure there'll be a way to automate this and then, you know, well, not sure, but probably not to just feature. When um, people were sending yeah. around like transcripts of Trump to underscore how incoherent he is. I'm like, I sound like that sometimes. Oh yeah. 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 Same. same, same. <laughs> like I didn't actually realize that. Um, uh, this is especially bad if I don't, like if, if like if I when I get this transcribed, I'll, like there's actually I don't know how people. Well, this is a good example. Like the last ten seconds, if I get it transcribed, it'll like make no sense whatsoever. But um, uh, there's like a free service called like assembly.ai slash, uh, playground where you could it like does free like um, uh, diarized diarized speaker based transcription and like that makes sense. But like if you just if we like just get this transcribed like without identifying like who's speaking it'll like be even worse than that um uh yeah actually this is like a totally like random thought but like I, i've been i actually spent like enough not like zero amount of effort trying to figure out how to how to combine like the like the wisp like the highest quality transcription like whisper with like the like slightly less good speaker based transcriptions you could get like the speaker you could infer who's speaking based on like the lower quality one but then like replace like incorrect words with, with correct mm -hmm. words and i like never i don't know i'm sure somebody's that'd be nice i would do yeah, transcripts yeah. if it were that easy but i just yeah. never have because but it is annoying like because i do like to give people the chance to veto like certain segments and that can get tough because even if Wait, i tell you what do you have podcasts that i don't know about I, well i used to have the the harvard one which is called the turing test uh, and then um yeah oh, i, I do have well, i probably listened to that and didn't know it was you okay <laughs> um maybe alish was the other host I like fake. Um, I mean, it's been a little while since I've listened. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I, on my Substack, I like publish audio stuff sometimes. Uh, oh. But it's called low effort to to underscore. <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't actually. Okay, great minds think alike. Low effort podcasts are the future. <laughs> in fact, this is super intelligent. I just so. have them like as a way to catch up with friends and stuff, and like talk about their lives in a way that like might. Recorded conversations are just better. You're more on. And you get to talk about stuff that's interesting, but like feels too like, well, you already know this, you know, if you're not recording it. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm like, I feel like everybody, I feel like there's a lot of people that like I interact with like casually that like, I don't actually like they have like these like rich online profiles and like somehow I don't know about it or something. Like, I mean, I could know about it, but like, I just like never click their sub stack link for some reason. Um, So I will be listening to your casual content. I just actually, in the 15 minutes you gave us when we pushed back the podcast, I, I found something like a practice talk I had given and put it on it. So that's audio that I just oh, posted. Oh, cool. 
Oh, but that's nice. for paid subscribers. I like to give them a little okay. something that, you know. No, no, no. I, I, I saw that. I was, yeah, in like the two, I did two minutes of research or whatever. Um, <laughs> nice, yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah, it's a little um, weird. I've always had that blog is very low effort, like just whenever I feel like it. And that's why it's lasted so long. But I did start doing paid and I do feel like more responsibility to the paid subscribers now. So. Yeah. No, Um. like I feel like blog. Um, like kind of the reason that I started this is because whenever I like, like, I feel so much, I don't know, it, it's like very hard for me to like write a low effort blog post. Like I just, even the lowest effort one, like still takes like, at the end of the day, it's like several hours. Like I, try, I was like, oh, I'm going to like bang it out in half an hour. And like, no matter what, like my brain doesn't let me do that. But like, that usually takes four hours. Like, yeah. Um, Dude, I have like a four hour and an eight hour mode. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's like, I feel like some people. Like, apparently Scott Alexander, like, said that, like, oh, yeah, he just, like, writes as fast as he talks, and he just, like, clicks send or whatever. It's like, oh, well, if I could do that, I would have written. In, in those paragraphs, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. But you see um, that when you see him in person, like, he just does. Oh, I've, I've, never met, I've never met him, but okay. I think, I, I mean, I've never, like, talked to him, like, but I've, like, been to meetups where he was, and I'm going, I'm at this conference, or I'm not there right now, you know, um, this week that he's supposed to be at. Oh, um, manifest. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay. Cool. 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 Um, Lighthaven, they're now calling it. Looks amazing. Oh. Uh, oh, Rose uh, Garden Inn, no more. <laughs> oh. Yeah. The, the, there's like all this. Um, I like vaguely know some of this stuff. I, I think I've been to Berkeley. I think twice. Right. Definitely. This is weird. Definitely once. I think Berkeley is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like it. It's actually. I've like sort of decided consciously not to try to, or maybe not like decided forever, but like had a period of time where I was like, oh, I should move there or like we'll move there. But then I was like, I think like uh, being around other EAs in like high and rationalist, like high concentration, like activates my status brain or something. It is very it's, like, me, like less personally happy. And yeah. so I think it's like bad. And DC is like, it's like it's kind of, kind of sus that I've, was born here and also went to college here and like maybe is also a good place to live but i feel like it maybe it's actually just true it's like a, i think it's true i mean i always like the dcas i think they're like very sane uh <laughs> <laughs> I, no. I think both clusters should be more like the other one like you know uh yeah a little bit <laughs> i think so i mean i i love Berkeley, and i think i'm really enjoying it because like i'm older than you you know um i think like it want if you have like your own personality before coming to Berkeley. That's great, but like it, it, <laughs> you can easily get swept up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's um, like it's like Disneyland for all the people I knew on the internet. Like, there's a physical version of them here, and you can just like walk. <laughs> it's all in walking distance, and like, yeah, it's um, like that's all pretty cool. Like, I especially during the pandemic, I was like not around almost any friends and like now I like see friends every day and I get to like do cool stuff. And the, the culture is sometimes it's like a really annoying near miss for me, but a lot of the times it's just like, oh, wow. Like, how do I know so many people who are so similar to me? This is great. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, that, that, that's, that's definitely cool. Um, yeah. Uh, I've definitely had that in like, I don't know, EAGs and stuff. So cool um i don't want to you know i feel, feel like yeah you have a you have a party right you, you, don't, have, say, you don't have to answer that we, yeah oh okay cool. well <laughs> yeah. I, I um uh, I it's will, just robin hansen's talk i mean probably know what he's gonna say <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing like you when you know someone's rich online profile so well like you 
it can be weird to see them in person and just like hear them say like only stuff from that only a subset of those things i'm not saying robin's like that like i don't know i haven't seen him enough in person but like steven pinker was this way for me like i he was in so it was like i was in the evolutionary biology department but it was kind of close to the psychology department and i went to a lab meeting there and like uh, I talked to Steve a few times and then he actually was like, yeah, like, why don't we have like a meeting and talk about your career? And I was like, you know, I was like oh, such a, I had read like every word he'd ever written, you know, at that time. And um, that's cool. But I just like <laughs> had nothing to say to him. And then I realized like pretty much everything I did say, I knew that he was going to answer like because oh. <laughs> he's not someone who speaks very spontaneously. Like he pretty much like has like cached chunks and like <laughs> loads them and <laughs> and. So the only spontaneous yeah. conversation we ever had was about AI and it was because like, you know, we disagreed, but. Oh, huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. I wonder who, I feel like I listened to a lot of ADK, but I think, I mean, I did talk to Rob, Rob like for this other podcast episode and like, I don't know, I, I didn't have that like totally like, I feel like it was like, I didn't know everything he was going to say. So maybe, uh, but who else would be like that? Rob has a lot of off the cuff yeah. content. He also, you know, he doesn't say everything he thinks so in, in uh, <laughs> online so <laughs> true 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 yeah oh we didn't talk about we can cut this part we didn't talk about whether there's a conspiracy to not fund pause research or pause not research pause, um, pause stuff do, do you want to have a conspiracy. comment that we can edit out <laughs> i wouldn't call it a conspiracy but i just think there's like a reluctance to do it and um yeah it's and some of it is like i think people are just being honest about it they're like yeah like it would get in the way of what i'm already doing like i'm trying to have a good relationship with ai companies and i feel like this would piss them off i just feel like they're so i don't feel like it, it like they're giving their reasoning and it like could make sense i just like think that they are wrong that yeah you know at, they're just that their whole organization shouldn't be able to fund other causes yeah i mean if this is open phil i feel like that's not a good yeah, if you're giving, if you're like a multi-billion dollar grant organization, that's like, it's like very hard to have, have like a single, yeah, it's it's like, that's like not an, not like a person with views who needs to, you know, it's not like a single agent necessarily. I mean, kind of acts that way, but. Yeah. And like, I don't even know. Yeah. I'm yeah. not sure how much I can say, but um, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I'm not sure that like AI companies expect that. I'm I'm not sure if it's like that actual that like that's been communicated to people like OpenPhil and they are like acting accordingly or if they're just afraid of that and like acting accordingly. I don't know. You know. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not. Yeah. It's. I just. I feel like there should be some way for OpenPhil or Dustin to fund advocacy interventions and like. Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is that like the people making those decisions aren't convinced of them aren't convinced that advocacy is good. And I think there are some things like that, I don't know, it's hard for me to ignore that Holden is married to Daniela Amade and yeah. like, you know, used to like, they all used to live with, you know, his brother-in-law, Dario Amade <laughs> of Anthropic. And like, it, 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 Daniela is also of Anthropic. And, uh, you know, like, I, I'm not trying to say that like, there's something sinister going on, but it's just like, who wants to believe that their wife is doing something really bad? If like, who wants to really go there and like consider that possibility? Like, I just think like, that's concerning. Like, of course he's probably not thinking as clearly about that as somebody else would. Yeah, and so yeah. like, um, that bothers me. I was really, I was bothered by, you know, Holden went on that like six month sabbatical and came back with like his playbook for AI safety. And, 
it was just like more of the same. He didn't even mention like public advocacy. It was like the reason he went on that sabbatical is it was because of like well, never mind. I'm not sure of the reason he went on that sabbatical, but it was like, you know, the, the news that happened during that sabbatical was all about like public is kind of into this now. I mean, it just seemed like he should at least like engage on that. And he didn't. And like, he even suggested like starting a new AI company. <laughs> and, like, just, like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I just thought like, it just seemed so dated. Like it just wasn't like considering like the strategic position we're in now. And I kind of wondered if that was because like, I don't know he's really bought into like what Daniela and Dario think about like I mean I, I feel like I'm kind of more bought into like the perspective of like um a much better than our much better than replacement cutting edge AI lab is like maybe not good or something than like you seem to be uh I don't don't have a super strong like view on this that's or like I feel like I'm yeah yeah, yeah. Like, like I haven't thought about it nearly as much as either you or any of the people you just mentioned but I don't know. It doesn't seem crazy. Yeah. I mean, I I guess like I look at it as like that would be I don't think it's impossible, you know, that like somebody could just come up with the answer to alignment. And like if they're able to use that AI to make sure that nobody else makes unaligned AI or something like that, then like, you know, like and it doesn't like you know become a totalitarian dictatorship or something like you know like all of those things like i don't think it's impossible um and I, I don't even think i don't even know how unlikely it is like it's it really doesn't if it turned if you told me in 10 years that that's how it turned out i would be like oh wow but i wouldn't be like no you know yeah um but like i'm as far as like the best action to take and to advocate for i think like pause is the best like I, I don't. I think like we don't have to help another AI lab get started. But like our opportunity now is, you know, before we've gone like far enough with AGI pursuits, is to like implement a pause and have some barrier to like if someone breaks the pause, they're not like one step away from yeah AGI. Yeah, and so like yeah. I do just like think that that's like overall the best action to take. Uh, but if I'm just like dispassionately like mapping what could happen i could see a lot of things happening i could see alignment by default being true i could see that we just like i don't know there's just like something we don't get maybe we are just projecting our own instincts and like onto ai like i mean I, that would surprise me less yeah. um than everything going perfect or like one us like a, a singleton forming that was good um yeah yeah i don't uh, yeah maybe um also like feel like let me know whatever you want to yeah wrap up um but uh yeah like i i i feel like maybe i don't actually think of like much i don't think of like made this a public take not that it's been a secret but like i i do I, yeah i think maybe even more at least like relative to like the other like ai safety pill like like twitter not the other but like relative to the ai safety pill like twitter sphere or something like it, it seems like pretty possible that like open ai is like like net yeah oh, I, I, I was gonna say net good i have like trouble i don't like problems with that phrase like epistemically like what it seems like they've like, done a really good job with the product so far like i'll definitely say that yeah or like i'm just a lot i don't, I don't know like i um 
I feel like like it's easy to, and I don't think they've like acted perfectly, like or, or anthropic, but like it's like really easy to like I guess miss it. Like it would be, it seems like in the world where like I don't know meta and like some like random I don't know like whatever pick your other like the next like five like labs or like who would, whoever would come along in the next like five years or whatever. Like the world where like those are like those like labs companies are like at the cutting edge. It seems like a lot worse for like maybe not super. Yeah. like explicit reasons like our reasons that are like are well that it just seems like yeah. less ethical frankly like yeah you yeah, take that yeah. out because i don't want to like be making i want to be very on the up and up with like what i'm saying about meta but um but like yeah i mean just john lacoon's way of talking about and there was that article recently that like alleged that like you know zuck just wants to be like that he says things about just wanting to like win and like that they think that like open source is a way to do it and like um and that like Jan LeCun is like not just saying his opinion, it's like calculated to undermine all the safety stuff. And like um That's so weird. Yeah. Also, like another just weird thing is that like even though all of this is in some sense like an ex like sort of in some sense it's like it's like the extreme like cutting edge of like capitalism. On the other sense, like okay, like you have like a like the like the key movers here have like more money. It's like marginal money probably doesn't actually like per se is like probably not actually like directly good for them or whatever so it's like <laughs> or like you know yeah like once you have a hundred million dollars or whatever it's like you know the next million dollars like isn't isn't all that great and it seems like a lot of them are like if not ethically motivated like motivated by like things beyond like pure status and like or actually sorry not pure status but like maybe at least like pure monetary like incentives and so like um sorry i like sort of lost my train of thought but i, I like, always yeah I frequently like think that people underrate uh, the importance of the motive that just like people like doing what they what they're doing. Like they like their science, yeah. they like their work, and they don't want to think that it's bad. Yeah, like I just think like as simple as that. Like they just they really enjoy doing their work. They enjoy like the kind of status that it brings. Like even if it's not financial, um, even if the rewards aren't necessarily financial, like they just. Like I don't, the dynamic between uh, Lacoon and Bengio and Hinton is really interesting because like they, I just, I'm just paraphrasing like interactions I've remembered, but they seem to be saying like, just give it up, Jan. Like, you know, we can, we were, we made a mistake. Like we, you know, we need to like course correct. And like, they both express, uh, Hinton and Bengio, like both express like a lot of remorse about like, even though they didn't think that they did it on purpose, you know, but like they they feel very sad that like their life's work might have this legacy, and like they seem to they seem to think that like Jan Lacoon is not dealing with that, <laughs> and um, this could be a yeah. way of insisting that nothing's wrong and everything's good, and just pushing harder in the other direction might be like a way of like getting away from that possibility. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. It's <laughs> it sort of sucks that. Yeah, the psychology of like a couple got dudes is like <laughs> quite important. Um, yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I, like, I, I, I don't know. This is another like, area yeah. where like my history of animal um, advocacy is interesting because like I was a kid vegetarian and so I like observed over many years like how people would react to that. And especially how they would react when they didn't think they had to make good arguments. Like it was one of the ways I like first got interested in like rationality, actually. Like because people oh, would just cool. give adults would just give the worst arguments for oh oh yeah, I, I'm same so far. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, like um, 
And I'm seeing that a lot with this, like people who are like unquestioning, unquestionably the smartest people I knew are like now saying the dumbest shit now that like pause is on the table and they're getting more, they're getting better about it. I mean, I think they were just taken aback like at first, but they would say just like the dumbest reasons that it wasn't going to work. Like they, it just revealed they obviously didn't want it to be a thing. Or they didn't want to like think about a new paradigm or they kind of like wanted things to be the way they were where the focus was on technical stuff. And, um, and like I was having a conversation with somebody about um, the first instance of the campaign for AI safety website. That's the Australian uh, AI safety advocacy group. And the first version of that website was a bit amateurish, like I will definitely say. But like I was in this thread and like the people in it were like making fun of it and say and like picking on little things about it that like didn't even make any sense. Like there was one line that was like uh, people, ML engineers could be made to work on AI safety or like instead they could work on AI safety. Um, retrained was the word they used. And this is very similar, like in vegan advocacy, you hear this all the time, like slaughterhouse workers can be retrained in organic farming. Like it's not a great it's suggestion. A, it's a little sillier in that case. In <laughs> it's my it's opinion, very but yeah. silly, but like it's- <laughs> Well, no, point, I mean, in the, in the first case, I don't think it's that silly. It, it yeah, but, but like the point yeah. of that kind of thing is like, we care about the jobs of the people, you know, who be affected but, yeah. by this. And poor, there are jobs poor, in our thing too. Silicon Valley ML experts, really. <laughs> struggling to make ends meet yeah. <laughs> but like but that line was picked on and made fun of and actually one person who was like a very smart person you know knows a lot about the topic was like you know this would be like forced labor camps and <laughs> they might not have said camps they might have just said forced labor program or something like that and i was just like what the f dude yeah. what? like that's the most uncharitable explanation i've ever like reaction i've ever heard the reason that we can't pause or advocate for AI safety in public is that just everybody who wants to do it is too stupid. And so like the only thing we can do is like what you're doing, I guess, like, which I guess I won't say what it is because I want to maintain their anonymity. But like, yeah. <laughs> like, I, it really struck me that happened like in April. And Jeez. like, I just like, thought like this is it, it was just very recognizable to me as like the kind of terrible argument that only makes sense if you just think like you have everybody's on your side and you can like do a status move to keep people out um, yeah. or to like keep something else out. And yeah, it was, it was it, it, that particular incident like influenced me strongly to like push for this harder. Cause it, I don't know if you're just present, like right. making the argument more, even if your argument is stupid, like people just don't react that dumb. But <laughs> yeah, well, no, I, I good. I'm glad you updated in that direction. Um, yeah. Although, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I do think it's very good that like AI safety seems NEA. It seems like pretty high. Like, I don't know. Depends what status hierarchy you're talking about. But, like, in all like reason, like relevant domains, like seems pretty high status. And like, actually, it's kind of crazy how smart everybody is. Like, this is my personal. Like, I don't know. Um. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it's like AI, technical AI safety, like people really fucking smart. Um, and so like, yeah, I've like seen some people on Twitter, Twitter say like, uh, or like, yeah, like, they, they, like, that's only like once or twice, because it's like, just not, it's like so far from true. But like once or twice, like, yeah, like, I guess they're just like not smart enough to work in ML. It's like, okay, like, like, I don't know, it's like the farthest possible thing from the truth. <laughs> Yeah, the 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 ML people, the open source ML people who are trying to hurt my feelings definitely want to go in on like I'm not smart enough or yeah, you know, my degree isn't a dumb subject or something. <laughs> like I don't like <laughs> but um yeah, I just do think there's like it's great to be smart, but there just are like more important things. And I don't oh, think yeah. like yeah, <laughs> I just don't think you have to be a genius to like see 
the logic of what I'm saying. Like, and like, yeah. I, I anyway, as as I was, what I was saying was like, I you know, there's like a status quo or a relative status quo that a lot of people were comfortable with. Like, even I think like Jan Lacoon was comfortable with being like cool ML genius, you know, <laughs> like and. Um, doesn't want there to be some like moral or ethical question with it like that's at least i think that's the picture i get from his interaction with the other turing prize winners and then um yeah like within ai safety like people don't really want to like think about switching gears or like maybe like the landscape has shifted and now like what we you know the next move is something that's like not the skills they've spent all their time developing and not the skills that like kind of got them into this whole thing um which like i don't i don't want anybody working on technical stuff to quit or something like Sorry, I'll, yeah, the Soylent just adds to the adds to the um, ethos. Yeah, guys, I've been drinking a Soylent the whole time. <laughs> nice. It's not that I like love them, but I do go through these periods where I feel like kind of nauseous and like don't want to oh. eat, and like Soylent is. Oh no, no, yeah, whatever, whatever, yeah, works. Yeah, um, yeah uh, cool. I think I'm like slightly running out of steam, which is like yeah, for I a podcast host. Get there by four, so. <laughs> okay. Um, um, yeah, but like you are, you are invited back on Pigeon Hour anytime, not literally anytime, but anytime, uh, virtually anytime. Um, uh, nice. yeah, we can uh, record one it, for, for mine thing. Um, oh yeah, totally. Um, totally any, any, any closing, <laughs> any closing takes thoughts? Uh, <laughs> I don't have any, so you don't have to either. Yeah, it was it was a fun time. Thank you. It was a very cool. it, I oh, felt yeah. very at ease. <laughs> oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, no, no, maybe maybe at some other point. Yeah, I, like like um uh here like we can just discuss uh all your uh like Evo biology like takes or whatever because that was that was quite interesting. Oh yeah, there's gonna be maybe this uh chat cone thing, which is like the less wrong did like the Miri conversations last year and they're trying to like replicate that for more topics and there might be one on evolution soon. Oh, cool. um, that I might be part of. Um, I'll keep an eye on So, that. I don't know if if accompanying readings are fun for the podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I should probably go because I also need to pee. I've had three nice. different liquids over here this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's that's a great reason. Thank you so much. Okay, bye. Thank you.